It's a Musical Cues Conversation with Joni Leeds, a 2000 Syracuse University graduate and the 2021 Grammy Award winner for Best Children's Album. From the moment you're born. Glad you found our podcast. I'm Chris Ballardi. I think you're going to enjoy this one. Joni shares her story and her music with us. And what a story, what a journey, highlighted by the ultimate recognition for an album that was truly a passion project, a children's album designed to entertain, inspire, educate, and empower. As you'll hear, Joni's proud to be a part of a community making music for kids, but music parents can also enjoy. I mean, it makes a ton of sense. She was a musical kid who has found success making music for kids. Pretty much the moment that I was born, my mom and dad told me the story that all the, the nurses in the hospital said that that baby's not crying, it's singing. <laughs> so I guess there was great expectations from the start. Um, and then they tell me this story when I was two or three years old, I stole the mic away from a party performer and sang tomorrow from Annie at the top of my lungs. So I guess um, I had no fear at the beginning. I do have quite a lot of stage fright now. I just, you know, cause adult anxiety and whatnot, but back in the day, um, yeah, I would, I loved singing. I took voice lessons with this wonderful instructor um, for most of my uh, grade school and all the way through high school. And I always wanted to sing. I just, you know, when you're young, there's not so many outlets, right? You, um, you have to join, you know, the choir or, you know, the community theater. <laughs> there's not so much, but going to college um, and being a part of a musical program was kind of a no-brainer for me. And so that leads perfectly into the next question, which was what put Syracuse University on your radar and, and what led you to Central New York? Well, my dad went to Syracuse. He's an alum. So it's and in the family. Yes, of course. We are blood is orange. And we, um, I mean, growing up, that was always a part of our family. We always talked about Syracuse. And I grew up in Miami, Florida. So that would have been um, quite a different weather transition. <laughs> Very different. Just a little. Um, but it didn't scare me when I was 17 years old and went to college. I... Um, I did audition for a couple of other places. I wasn't exactly sure if I wanted to do musical theater or voice. So um, I auditioned for a bunch of different places and Syracuse is really where I felt the most comfortable. And I really connected at my audition with um, the two faculty members who had auditioned me at the time. And even though I literally fell flat on my face during the dance interview, I mean, not even exaggerating, I fell on my face. Um, dancing is not my strongest suit. <laughs> I, I, still, I still made it into the program. So I was thrilled, thrilled. When you look back on that experience at, at Syracuse, and I've had the, the pleasure of talking to a number of people who've come through that program in particular and kind of gone in different directions, but what stands out to you about the education and the experience of being a musical theater major and, and being at Syracuse University? Well, I love that it was a conservatory-based program. Um, I felt like... Um, not that I didn't want to do the other subjects, but I really wanted to focus on theater and music. 
And in other programs across the country, um, it wasn't always that case. Like you would take math and science and all of those other courses and then limited musical theater or limited music classes. So for me, it was really important to dive all in and, and, and do that full time. And that's exactly, well, that's exactly what we got. That's <laughs> great. That's what you um, did. But I, I did, I had the opportunity when I was in high school to be, um, to get a lot of college credits. So I actually came to school as a sophomore, essentially. I mm -hmm. still had to take that writing studio class freshman year. But um, yeah, I, I did, I went on this program called March of the Living, which is um, we went to Poland and we visit all of the concentration camps. And I know this is a little off topic, but we, um, every single weekend we would be we would be going to school. So those were all counted as college credits. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we went to Poland and, and it was, it was a wonderful opportunity um, to educate myself in my, my history and my ancestors. Um, and then when I went to college, I got first pick of all the dorms <laughs> and I, and I did have a lot of credits fulfilled. So when I was a senior, I was actually able to take a lot of classes on the Hill that I would not have had the opportunity to take had I not come to college with all those credits. So it was a win-win. And, and look, every experience is something that shapes you and, and allows you to kind of go in, in different directions. And it sounds like that was very much the case with your career as well. And, you know, I, I love that after college, after graduation, you did the New York City thing, right? I mean, it kind of feels like what you're supposed to do. What was your New York City thing like uh, right after college? Oh, it's so funny. Okay, so my my roommate freshman year, we were in Sadler, and we were completely randomly paired up. And she and I are still friends to this day. Um, she was actually a music major, and I was a musical theater major. And so we lived together for a couple of years in college. And then um, graduation day, you know, we threw our caps in the air. And I think it was literally the next day we rented a U-Haul truck <laughs> and we drove straight to Manhattan, having zero idea where we were going to live, what neighborhood. We didn't know New York City. Um, where, we, where was she from? Where is she from? Um, her name is Anna Dara. And now it's Arnold, but at the time it was Farmer, and she's from Carlsbad, California. So here are <laughs> these two sunny California, Florida girls in Syracuse, wow. New York. We both like cried every day because we're <laughs> old. Um, but we had so much music in common, and we came to college like loving all of the same bands. We loved the Indigo Girls, and you know, at the time Alanis Morissette was definitely it, and <laughs> like early, you know, mid nineties. And yeah, and so we we decided that we were going to move straight to New York City. And of course, she was a waitress and I was a bartender. I bartended at the Bitter End, which I, is a music club down in the Greenwich Village. I mean, the list of, of music clubs that uh, that you spent time in, the Bitter End, CBGB. I mean, these are these are pretty top notch places. These are the places of legend. Yeah, and I mean, some of them have since closed. Bitter End is still open, but you know, CBGB's closed. Yeah. Um, there was Arlene's Grocery. This was even before Rockwood Music Hall was open, but the Living Room was a really big club to play in. And so, at night, I would try to hustle and and play at these clubs. But I guess I should probably mention that I went to school as a musical theater major, but I actually started writing music 
um, when I was in college, which is why I was trying to play at all these clubs, um, I really just fell in love with um, being in the practice rooms and I would just close the door behind me and write. And so I wrote on the piano, I wrote on guitar, and then I took this really wonderful class up on the hill with Dr. Sawyers um, about music industry. And I learned a lot about the industry and it really interested me and it kind of, it took my path in a, uh, you know, an unsuspecting direction. And all of a sudden, I didn't really want to do theater anymore. But I, I feel like all of those classes really prepared me for this theatrical musical life, like no matter where you land, it, I mean, really nothing prepares you for <laughs> in New York City. But being prepared for anything prepares you, right? You just have to be ready, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I did feel prepared from the classes I took in theater, and I I don't think it was a waste at all. Like, I never look back and say, oh, I didn't do theater. I wasted my college. Like, not at all. I feel like it all plays into what I do. And now that I perform on stage for kids, it is very theatrical. And no, I do out. have to use those improvisational skills. So it all it all worked out. Before we get to the to the performing for kids part. Your first album you wrote while you were still at Syracuse, right? I did. And, and I love the name of that album. That <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, my job application knows more about me than you do. Might be one of the longest titles. Great. Maybe Fiona Apple's When the Pawn is quite longer, but um, <laughs> I, 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 I just was working with what I knew at the yep. time, which was like, Falling in love and breakups and just a lot of angst. There are no subjects to write about. All the good topics are taken. There's hate, there's love, and there's politics. And every side that's seen at daybreak. And Well, it was the time for that, right? The the end of the '90s. That was the that was the genre. That was what was popular. That was in very in, yeah. Um, I guess they called it like angry chick music, and that's definitely <laughs> my genre <laughs> at the time. I wish that we could just start over, erase the board, and start a new. I got a bunch of friends together that lived up on the hill and studied at Krauss. Gosh, I mean, some of them are working on Broadway now, but they they helped with that album, and it's it's pretty cool. Um, and then I had a friend who played viola, and she was in the theater program, so she played on it, Michelle O'Connor, and uh, and it was great. And it all worked out. And then I look I listen to that album now, and I'm absolutely embarrassed <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, oh my goodness, that is I've come I've come a long way. I was just trying to figure out how to write a song. Um, and I felt like at the time, like, this is, this is so good. Right now I'm like, Ooh, okay. okay Jimmy. The, the passage of time does things to, to all of our tastes and, and all of our experiences, no doubt. So, so let's go from angry chick music to managing a gymboree in Manhattan to Grammy award for best children's album. I mean, that is, talk about a path. Yeah, so when I went to New York and I got 
that job working as a bartender at the bitter end by the way i took a bartending class at syracuse that's also should be noted um, very helpful hotel somewhere downtown very helpful and because i knew from my theater department that you're going to need some sort of day job so that you can audition and in my case play at clubs and so that's exactly what I did. I, I took this bartending class. I walked along the streets of Manhattan. I got this job miraculously at the bitter end. And so I was slinging drinks. And then everything really started to change because I wanted something a little bit steady. I think at the time I had a boyfriend and he had a nine to five job. And I was like, oh, this is killing me staying up till three in the morning, three to four in the morning bartending. And I wanted more of a similar schedule. So I decided to work at, um, well, I've had many jobs. One of them was real estate. I, I was doing real estate for a while. I worked as a temp. I worked at Miramax Films um, under Harvey and Bob Weinstein. Um, let's see what else. I worked at a clothing factory um, in the fashion district. I mean, this wow. is what you do when you're trying to audition and, and sing at clubs. And then finally... I just wanted a job where I could sing and I did not know what that was. And yeah. so um, my cousin was like, oh, you should just, you should get a job at one of those like play music centers. And at the time being like a young 20 year old, 20 something, I didn't know anything about kids <laughs> music or what that was, Jimboree playing music. So I auditioned and I got in and pretty soon I was singing songs about Jimbo the clown going up and down and whatnot. And, um, <laughs> I slowly transitioned from writing songs about breakups to writing songs that children would enjoy. And it, it was really interesting because all of a sudden people were like, do you do birthday parties? And I did birthday parties through Jimboree, but they're like, you play guitar. Can you come to the park and play a party for me there? And so it started to get a little weird because we're not supposed to play parties for other people like outside <laughs> of Jimboree, but the call got a little too strong and yeah. I decided maybe I should try going out on my own. So I formed a birthday party company. Um, it was city kid music. And basically I was doing like between three and six birthday parties in a weekend and just traveling on the bus and the subway all around the Upper East Side. And then I kind of got into this ritzy crowd. So people were sending town cars for me to go to the Hamptons and Deal, New Jersey and like all over the place. And it was wild. This, is, this is not the kind of gigging a college music student envisions, right? <laughs> No, this was never, ever, I never thought that I'd be doing anything like this. I mean, working with children was something I never considered because I was going to be a Broadway star, you know? <laughs> so, so this was really out of left field. But um, I really, when I say I fell into it in a completely organic way, I mean, that is exactly it. It was yeah. very organic the way that it happened. And it just so happened that I fell in love with writing music for children and also I fell in love with the children I just yeah. there's something that's really raw and honest about performing for kids because there is no sugar coating it like if they don't enjoy a song <laughs> they are gonna just I mean they're gonna tell you first of yep. all and they're not gonna be dancing and jumping up and down but when they do enjoy a song they are going crazy and it's just I mean it's an amazing feeling and then slowly I started recording my music for children. And that's um, 2007, 
I think was the first recording I put out in 2008, and that was City Kids. When you walk outside, not a tree inside, and you feel all the birds have had a fright, you better walk on down that numbered crib, because you are a city kid. A lot of the songs are very city-centric about taking the subway, and you know, um, it's just like fun kind of jump up and dance and clap your hands, do, do it type songs. But it's also music, and, and, and I know the term kindy rock is used, mm -hmm. which I think is a really cute, cute term, but it's the kind of music that parents can listen to and not be like, oh my God, turn that off. That's really, as a parent, that's a really important part of this genre of, you know, you think kids music, you may think baby shark, and then think I never wanna listen to anything ever again in my life. That's not what we're talking about here. No, no. I mean, there's actually a ton of incredible kindy music, um, independent children's musicians, and there's every genre that you can think of. So um, if you want hip hop, if you want ska, if you want jazz, rock and roll, everything, jazz, and trap jazz, every different type of jazz. I mean, it's all there and we all know each other and we're all <laughs> friends and we go to conferences and we see each other and we're we're all in the same circuit so we we tour and we often see each other so yeah i mean it it is definitely something that we all try to do our part in getting the word out but if you need any suggestions i have a billion <laughs> children's artists that will blow your mind and and uh, make you forget about Baby Shark. <laughs> <laughs> well, as hard as that may be to do. <laughs> I know, I know. Believe me, I have a six-year-old, I get it. Talk to me about that album that won the Grammy. And the Grammy goes to all the ladies, Joni Leeds. <laughs> Thank you, I am so honored to accept this award on the evening of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's birthday during Women's History Month. Thank you. To Congratulations. That's a, a tremendous honor and, and just a, a fabulous thing. The album itself is all about girl power. All the ladies, ladies, listen closely. I'll be the first to cheer you on with positive sat next to each other watching six on Broadway at the end of January. And, and I, I certainly now really get why you were inspired by that, the girl power message of that musical. That, that was huge in this. And you just mentioned you've got a daughter. So obviously this is, this is something that's important to you. It is. Um, the All the Ladies album is actually my ninth album for children. And the reason that I wrote that is, um, okay, so I was at the Grammys back in 2018, January of 2018. And at that specific ceremony, the televised portion, the, the mm -hmm. one that you, you watch on television, not right. the one where like 90% of the people win the awards, but like the, you know, the, the evening part, only one female took home an award. And it was this huge thing that was going on. I mean, there was like a hashtag, like, what about the women or, you know, Grammy so male or something like yeah. that. But when I was sitting in my seat, I just was so flustered by that and, and witnessing like Alicia Caro was the only female. And, and yes, there were female presenters, female performers, but it was noticeable. And it really, it struck a chord with me, literally. And I took out my phone and I started making notes 
right there during the ceremony, like during Madison Square Garden Grammys. And I um, I started writing like all female album, you know, female instrumentalists, female, you know, talk you know, songs about girl power. Like I just, I was going crazy. My friend sitting next to me was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and so I started, that started um, the wheels turning, but I didn't actually get going with it until a couple months later, maybe even close to a year later, I read the Annenberg Initiative um, out of California, which actually has the stats from 2012 to 2018 about females working in the music industry. Now, a lot has changed over the past couple of years, um, but at the time, producers, female producers were only 2% of the workforce. And there's insane stats like that, where I just, I read the report and I was just like, I have to do something. I have to do it now. And I just like started freaking out. So I went to see a friend of mine perform and um, another friend of mine who was in the audience with her son, we had lunch afterwards. And I had, I had this idea for an album. Um, I don't know what it's called yet, but it's going to be like, I want all of the people involved in it to be women. I want the instrumentalists. I want the technical team, the, the engineers, the producer, everything to be female. And, and she's turned to me and her name is Lucy Kalantari, by the way, she has won a Grammy for her jazz albums for kids. And she's mm -hmm. phenomenal. And she's like, I've been really looking to, to produce somebody and we kind of gave each other a wink across the table and we're whispering because like, you know, when you have this very interesting idea, you don't want like other people to know. I mean, I mean, maybe I was being a little too secretive, but I was really <laughs> excited about it. And so we, that got the ball rolling and we started talking and I should mention at the same time I was going through a divorce. So I had like a lot going on in my personal life, but um, this album was really just such a glimmer of hope um, during that really tumultuous time. And, um, I, I like, she's a, such a wonderful producer. She got so many females involved in this project and she cast such a wide net and was able to bring on these instrumentalists. I would have never been able to find them. And she was able to, to get this incredible band together. And so all in all, we had 20 women that are singing and playing on the album, as well as our mixing and mastering engineers, um, Emily Lazar and um, and Denise, they these women are incredible and like so desired in in um, in the industry. And so the fact that they're on this album was huge. Um, and then it was supposed to be released. Well, it did release in April 2020, but you all know what happened in. <laughs> spring of 2020 yeah. so yeah. it wasn't the most ideal touring experience because it was all online but it did give an opportunity to do a music festival which i decided i was one of the very first um virtual music festivals i mean like <laughs> at all like oh everywhere <laughs> so the new york times picked it up and npr and there was like a million different um outlets that picked it up because we really were one of the first and so I got all of the, the female vocalists that sang on the album to designate, a, a, you know, a little set. And then I hosted, I had no idea what I was doing. I was borrowing a <laughs> Zoom Pro account from a friend and she was like, okay, I think it's your turn. I mean, it was so patched together, but all in all, we had like, 
I don't know, about, like many thousands of people, 20,000, 30,000. I don't know. It was crazy. Wow. What, a, what an experience. And the fact that an album called All the Ladies wins a Grammy and was essentially an idea born as you watched the lack of ladies at the Grammys two years earlier is, is really pretty remarkable. Thank you. Well, you know, it is a protest album, but also the songs that are on the album are not just for girls. And I should mention that because I, I think that is something that's worth mentioning. This is for everybody, all genders, because we all need to support women no matter what gender we are. And um, there's a lot of there's not a lot of equity um, and still there's not a lot of equity. And I think it is changing, but it's a very slow change because the systemic sexism in our country, this, is, this isn't a new thing. This has been going on for a really long time. So I kind of wanted to plant the seeds with the youngest audiences. So, you know, I, I did write a song about RBG and how she contributed to um, equality for women, but not just women, but everybody. Come and meet my idol, my favorite supreme. I want to be just like RBG. Um, I wrote a song about glass ceilings, which is about breaking the glass ceilings. And I had a wonderful friend sing with me on that. I'm Chala Morel out in Seattle. And you can get along without glass slippers. Breaking glass ceilings, glass ceilings, glass ceilings. Um, and Lisa Lowe sang on the track All the Ladies, which was amazing because I'm a huge fan of Lisa and she does children's music too as well so and I even had a song about uh, miscarriages and divorce like I really covered grown-up topics but I made them you know, as Mitch, Mr. Rogers always says, you can take any topic and as long as you present it in a specific way, you can tackle any subject. And that's that's what I tried to do with this album. How how does having a daughter how has having a daughter changed, if at all, the way you approach children's music? Well, well, so before I had kids, I was working with kids for you know, over a decade. So I, I kind of knew how kids worked, <laughs> but then, you know, when you have, when you have a daughter and I, I, you know, she, she's my first and only, but I, um, I did suffer three miscarriages before her. So, you know, I really, really wanted a child and growing up being a, being a girl and now a woman, like I grew up in this, in this world where, when you form a sentence, the designated pronoun is he and him. And I never questioned it. Like I never thought to myself, well, hmm, that's weird. Why isn't it something else? Like, why is it always about, you know, men and the man? Like it, it just didn't, it didn't cross my mind because why, why would we question it? But my daughter, she looks at things in a really different way and I'm just so grateful that the world around her is changing in this way, where if she sees a, a picture or if she sees a movie and it's like all men, she's like, where's the ladies? Like, where? why isn't there a female character? I mean, she's six years old and she's 
pointing these things out to me, which I'm so happy when she does, because I know like she's a really intelligent child (laughs) and she's noticing and picking up on these things, but you know, she's living in a different world than I grew up in. She's not Gen X, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's a, yeah, it's very different. And you think, you know, if she's saying that at six, you know, what's she going to be doing at 16? It's, you know, it's very exciting to, to kind of think about the mindset that she's got at an age that you didn't have at that same age and, and other generations haven't had. Yeah. There's obviously, and this is kind of underlying in, in all of this conversation, but there's obviously power in music. To you, what is the, the biggest power that, that music has? Well, I think music is one of those things that brings together everybody. I mean, it is the universal language for sure. And it doesn't matter if you don't speak the same language or if you come from a completely different background. Music is one of those things that even if you can't actually talk to each other, it can bring you together. So, I mean, that's for sure. Um, I think in my genre, we, we have so many different types of music that we sing for children. I mean, there's there's the movement songs, get up and dance. There's the lullaby songs. I mean, there's a whole genre of children's music, which is just to put kids to sleep. Um, and then there's, of course, the music that celebrate change. And I think that our country, you know, a lot of people would agree that we're moving in a very strange direction. So and I love writing music and I, I don't do it in like such a in your face type of way. But um, I think music can actually bring messages to people that perhaps in a musical dose, it's a little bit easier of a pill to swallow. Um, But, you know, the songs about environment, like there's children's musicians and grown-up musicians too, but there's so many musicians that like their whole message is environmentally friendly songs. I want to be green. I want to be When you hear it through a tune, it's like, oh yeah, I should recycle and not waste this and not waste water. But like some, some parents aren't teaching their kids that, you know? So if they're getting it through the music, I think that's really important. And as you mentioned, you know, you can, you can address some pretty adult grown-up ideas for a broader audience in a song that makes it less scary in, in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we all do. And I think that's why they're, when, when children are, or parents are seeking music for their children, there's more than Baby Shark. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. And, and, you know, and to circle back to your, your musical theater roots, look, th- that's the way it is for adults. We address a lot of really difficult things in musical theater. That's, that's one of the powers of theater is that, you know, topics and, and ideas that maybe people don't want to talk about, they'll go to see a show on Broadway and, and come out talking about it, whether they like it or not, because it, it hit them in a different way. It's so true. And it also for a parent, it's, um, it's really interesting because my daughter loves Broadway shows and she loves listening to the soundtracks and they bring on all types of conversations that sometimes I'm not ready to have. I mean, <laughs> we were listening to six and I was like, Ooh, yeah. Okay. So now I have to talk about the birds and the bees. <laughs> like, You're thinking, like there, that, there may be a song in there somewhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know, but but you know, we listen to Waitress. I'm like, okay, now I have to explain this. But I mean, it does. I, we talk about everything, and we always have, because um, 
I just, I, I'm, I'm in the mentality of there's always a way to talk about everything. You know, I was, I was brought up on Mr. Rogers. So <laughs> that, that, as was I uh, final, I, I do want to circle back to Syracuse and ask you, you, you mentioned traveling to New York with your roommate and, and, you know, just kind of along the way, lots of little Syracuse connections and, and you know, you've got Syracuse in your family anyway, but what does it mean to you to be a part of, of kind of the, the orange family? Wow. I mean, I have to say when I was there, I had, um, I had a hard time sometimes because it was a hard, it was, a, it was a really hard, um, program. And so I think that my time there, even though some of it was a struggle, I feel like I really learned how to have a good work ethic <laughs> and how to persevere, even when things were not going my way. And I feel like because of the program and everybody in the musical theater program and the drama program being so close, we all went through that and experienced it together. And so we're bonded for life, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, um, we all keep in touch and we were actually supposed to have a huge reunion and then COVID hit. So it's been delayed, but um I mean, there must have been like 60 people that RSVP'd from the Syracuse Drama Department. We were all going to come to New York in 2020. So <laughs> we are bonded for life and we're always there for each other. And um, I never knew the power of networking. And I never understood when I was in college how important it is to keep in touch with people. I've got your back, will you have mine? And you never know how someone is going to be able to help you in the future and how you will be able to help other people in the future. Um, and just, you know, getting together and kind of talking shop. It's the, the people that you meet at college um, are really going to be able to help you all through life. And I meet people that went to Syracuse that I never met. And just because they went to Syracuse, we have that bond. And so we help each other out. And I think it's it's uh, when you go to, when you go to a school, you are you are really bonded for life. You can find Joni Leeds music on YouTube, on Spotify, anywhere you get your music, really. Just like you can find the Cuse Conversations podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Chris Velarde. Stay well and go on.